You are listening to the Kinky Coach Podcast with Stephanie and Fox. Hey, Fox. Yeah? You've been a bad, bad boy. Nice boy. This show contains explicit content and is intended for mature audiences only. This is what happens when an innocent, successful mental health professional falls for a rugged, prior-deployed bad boy. You You get get one one hell of a ride. All right, so I am excited to be able to welcome a special friend from Denver, Colorado. You have a lot of special friends. I and do. you get excited a lot. I know. So what are we talking about and who are we talking about? Well, today we are going to be talking about BDSM and consensual non-monogamy and the benefits of all of the fun, kinky stuff that happens. BDS, so like bad dogs, mm. something, I don't, yeah, I lost that one. Yeah, well, we're going <laughs> to have, know. we're going to have our friend. And I'm excited to introduce Mistress Salt, and she's going to tell us all about it. Who is Mistress Salt? Well, Mistress Salt is a very kinky lady from Denver, Colorado. Hi, guys. Hi. Thank you for bringing me on the show. (laughs) Um, What do I do? First of all, I know everyone knows how to Google, and everyone will be able to figure out what BDSM is about, but it's uh, bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, and sadomasochism. So, you know, there's all kinds of things that go into it. And there's a nifty test you can take that kind of gives you an idea of how vanilla or non-vanilla you are. But uh, in terms of me and what I do, um, professionally, I don't do anything related to BDSM, but uh, for fun and pleasure, I do get engaged in BDSM activities where I am the dominant And I have submissives who are different types of people uh, from different walks of life. And we, you know, participate, I guess, in consensual uh, plays where we agree on what they are comfortable with. And uh, I explain to them what I am into. You know, we play. So you say non-professionally, right? So, So this is something that is up there and personal for you. Would you say that? Oh, yeah, big time. Like for me, uh, there is a lot of uh, psychological interest tied to this. I think uh, some folks participate in it professionally, meaning they charge clients to dominate them. I feel like it's a little less authentic. Uh, I actually enjoy being a sadist and I enjoy dominance. So, you know, for me, it's an equal exchange. I like how you said the psychological aspects of it because that's that's speaking my language i'm all about the uh, psychological benefits of all kinds of fun kink and um just playing in general but when you say play talk to me about what that means to you well and first let's be honest you say it's your language but when i put a ball gag in your mouth you're not doing a whole lot of talking i'm I'm not talking (laughs) okay you guys yeah um, we're a little uh that was fun Mm mm-hmm uh, in general, I guess my interactions with my submissive don't last a very long period of time. It's anywhere between an hour to maybe at most four hours. And uh, it's usually an agreed-upon scenario of something uh, they are very interested in doing, and I am very interested in participating in and then disciplining them uh, or helping them do a better job at whatever the task may be. So, you Can know, you give me an example again, of that? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I will definitely give you an example. But, I, by the way, in terms of psychological stuff, uh, I hope we go back to that at some we point will. during this conversation because one of the key things that I do confirm before I ever engage with any submissive is their psychological state. I want to make sure that they're participating in it and it's a healthy participation and it's not something driven by some kind of trauma sure very recent or significant i enjoy domestic service and uh i ride motorcycles and i enjoy when my submissive clean my motorcycle equipment and my motorcycle i mean Uh, i would like that too but 
I own a motorcycle. You can I mean, bring them my way in a heartbeat. I would like someone to clean. How can I get into this? Perfect. So, God, this sounds like right down my alley. Yeah. I, I thought this was yeah. going to start off in a whole different way, but that, you're, I, you're I'm liking our this language. already. <laughs> okay, excellent. I'm glad. Well, so I'm giving you an example of basically um, a submissive that would perform domestic service. And sometimes it can be a couple of submissives. The objective is that they do it to my standard and my satisfaction. If I feel that there is opportunity for them to do it better, I can pause them explain how it should be done better and okay. correct them. And sometimes I will correct them and will discipline them. Oh. And again, in, yeah, in terms of discipline, it's my favorite thing to do is flogging, but certainly there's whipping and then there is other type of types of discipline that are a little bit more intimate. Now, when you say intimate, do you mean it's, sexual? They can be a little sexual in sense that there is definitely an element of degradation, uh, and frequently the submissive, at least in my case, will be male. I will use degrading language. I can basically have them strip down, and I can you know, humiliate them about uh, their capacity as a man. Would all of that uh, help them do a better job at their task? So, yeah, there is a sexual component, but... I don't ever sexually engage with my submissive because I view them just differently. Okay. And that's very, it's very common, um, at least in the female dominant uh, male submissive scenarios. I mean, I don't know, but I would love to have a, a man that I could just make clean for me as I look at uh, Fox. <laughs> it's nice. I cook yeah. in the kitchen and I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, so we don't live... That type of lifestyle. Uh, our lifestyle is more sharing each other sexually, and I am the dominant one in the bedroom. Very much so. But not in that way whatsoever. But I'm not uh -huh. knocking it either because if I can get you to clean my motorcycle, I, we're going to talk more. Because, no. yeah, if you could train me to train her to clean my motorcycle, man, let me... Let me tell you, <laughs> the benefits are outstanding. <laughs> Not into that. Not into that cleaning the whole motorcycle thing. You know, you guys, again, it's all about agreeing, right, to what both of you enjoy. So it sounds to me like what you're doing in the bedroom is exactly like what both of you enjoy doing. And that's wonderful. I can promise you uh, in my interactions with my submissives, there is a similar level of enjoyment. Uh, it's just not sexual. Like basically our sexual organs aren't touching, mm -hmm. but a very similar effect is taking place. And very often, if I like my submissive enough, I will allow them to come, you know, in a very uncomfortable way, of course, but I will allow it at the very end of the play. But in general, I am not participating in any way other than just being there. So let's talk about some of the positive aspects of BDSM. I know that it's about building trust and communication and also negotiation. So talk to me a little bit about that. Absolutely. So, so basically, I guess just like any other healthy relationship, uh, those elements are critical in when you're engaging with, you know, submissive dominant type of relationship. And there is a lot of trust between both parties. I definitely really vet any of my submissives because um, it's quite a liability because some of the things that I can do to them, you know, can be perceived as quite harmful. If I'm doing it without consent, you know, it could be a world of trouble. Mm -hmm. Similarly, for them, they're constricted very often and they enjoy being constricted, whereas, you know, like they're tied up and they can't move. They also need to know that they can trust me, that if there is truly an emergency that I am going to care enough to release them and, you know, allow them to, you know, breathe, uh, walk, move, whatever, however it is that they're constricted. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of conversation. A lot of trust goes into it. You definitely have to be very, very clear about communicating your needs 
and confirming that your partner is very comfortable with everything you are going to do with them. And again, I mentioned that I am very sadistic. That means I enjoy when someone is in pain. So it is very critical for me to, you know, ascertain that they're very comfortable being in pain Mm -hmm. and they're very comfortable with the level of marks that I'm going to leave on them. Okay. Doing what it is that I'm going to do to them. So yeah, it's very important. I I like a good handprint. (laughs) Yeah. So I know that there are two different people or two different groups that engage in BDSM. The first group are those who really just want to add some spice to their marriage or to their relationship. Just they like some, some spanking, maybe some light bondage, blindfolds and role playing and whatnot. And then there's the second group. And those are the ones who are really aroused by the BDSM and kink. Do you prefer one group over the other or talk to me about how that works with you? Uh, those are great questions. So um, I've, uh, I've been to clubs where I've met actually couples who were very curious about, you know, playing with a mistress. And they are probably that first category where they're just kind of like, you know, blindfold me, tie me up and call me a slut kind of people. Okay. And this applies to both men and women. And, you know, men do enjoy being pegged, uh, which is uh, a very dominant sexual act. So, yes, there's that category of people. And then there is the category of people who enjoy something much more extreme. I'm going to say that the things that I enjoy doing are probably towards that extreme category. However, nothing I personally enjoy would involve like having someone bleed. Uh, Like I, I am not that sadistic, but there are people who do enjoy it. And again, if it's performed in a very safe way, great. I would imagine that a lot of your audience will probably be kind of the first category of people. They just want to spice up their relationship. And I think that's amazing. And that is a lot of fun because what you're doing is agreeing to play for a short period of time. And you're basically pretending, but you're also trusting your partner that they're not going to tease you about it and that they're going to know that once that play time is over, it's over. They're no longer treating you as a submissive you know, during your normal interaction and vice versa, you're not treating them as a dominant, you know, while you're in a grocery store. So I think it is a meaningful element for kind of a more vanilla relationship to, to do a little bit of play. So I'm really glad you brought that up because I know that I get a lot of men that contact me and ask me about that, you know? Um, so Stephanie and I are very open about us, me being dominant and her being submissive in that role, especially sexually. And I think it's extremely important for anybody doing that to understand that, you know, it is not only is an agreement and a trust, but you are entrusting that person to satisfy you sexually along with themselves and not put yourself in a bad situation. You know, something like, hey, let's call a delivered board order pizza and you're going to sexually suggestively seduce him, you know. As long as that she's into it or he's attractive or what have you, you know, if, if someone shows up that she's just grotesque to her, I'm not going to make her or force her to do anything. Um, you know, and I think that's very, what's the word I'm looking for? In, important would compromise? be the word. Yeah, it it's has to com- be, it has to be a compromise, but it also has to, you have to understand as that dominant person, you're taking on two roles. You're being entrusted and you're there to also satisfy I think it's a dual role, and okay. you have to understand that. And I think a lot of men misunderstand that, at least a lot of men I speak with. Um, like when I do sex coaching with you know, a lot of different single males who want to get into this, they, they have a very misunderstanding of what a dominant role actually is. And I, I understand what you're talking about. They take it more of a, um, sometimes even to an abusive level, mentally abusing. Yes, is that what you're going with? Yeah, that, that is what I'm going yeah. with because I, I get that question a lot. And, and that is usually my response. You, you have taken yourself out of that dominant role and you're, you're satisfying something within yourself that you may want to go talk to a professional about. But you should not be outlining it with your partner. I thought those are really good points. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I like 100% agree. So piggybacking off that, I would like to talk about some of the common BDSM practices. And especially for our audience because... You know, I I don't feel like many listeners are going to run out and find a a dominant. I I don't think that that's what they're looking for. But if they are, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand them your information if they're in the Denver, Colorado area. 
So in terms of running out and finding someone, um, just, I mean, technically, um, it's all over the world. So if you, wherever you are in the world, you can probably find people um, and there are kind of uh, meetings on a regular basis that are usually set up in a lot of the cities okay. where people can just come and mingle and uh, uh, meet folks. Um, I can say that um, in terms of kind of getting into that type of a relationship with someone, if you're not already partnered, uh, I would just advise to be very careful and to make sure, just much like Fox uh, suggested, that if it's a female submissive, and they're looking for a male dominant, they do need to make sure they're very careful about interviewing them and understanding their methods. Because um, uh, unfortunately, I think sometimes they can end up being in very abusive situations. And that's not something, you know, I would want any of your male or female listeners to get into. Absolutely. But I, I am a little bit more concerned about the female listeners. The way I find my submissives is usually by placing a um, an ad, if you will, saying something like, I'm seeking domestic help, you know, and I basically kind of explain what I'm like and what I need. And I basically advise that they can write to me if they feel it, you know, they qualify and I'll, I'll discern from there. Uh, but I have been to some social events and met people. And again, it's either those events are facilitated usually through groups or there are other maybe like swinger type of groups uh, that sometimes, and again, I know what's local to Colorado. I'm aware of what's here, but I imagine there are, you know, many similar organizations in Texas. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I'm sure there is no shortage. So I, I don't know if that was kind of answering your question or if you actually had some additional information you wanted to know about that. Thank you for sharing that. I was uh, sure. wanting to just kind of dive into some of the, the common BDSM practices that our listeners oh, can yeah. probably take into the bedroom with them and have a little fun with. So let's talk about some of the bondage. How can an everyday couple really bring into the bedroom some bondage, the, the rope, leathers, you know, maybe even some chains, the restraints? What could they do? So that question makes me smile because technically I think talking about a lot of these things makes me smile. So how how I would go about it is have an open conversation and say, hey, what does turn what turns you on? Do you want me to wear this leather outfit? And luckily, you know, Amazon has so many options. Oh, um, they probably they? right. Yeah. So come up with an idea of what it is that you want your partner to look like, what you want to look like, what are some of the things you want to be done. Have an open conversation about it. I can tell you, I, you know, I've had partners that were not BDSM, but they were curious. You know, I imagine the things that I did with them would be similar to what more vanilla lifestyle folks would do. As an example, I uh, I think sensory deprivation is helpful, uh, specifically just a blindfold. Okay. Um, and then tying someone to the bed, again, doing it comfortably. Uh, if you have silk scarves, I advise that uh, versus, you know, something more abrasive. But I know they sell handcuffs that are padded and everything. So, again, it's whatever turns you on. Again, like the trust, handcuffs. the communication is critical, right? So, <laughs> like, what I would enjoy doing to my partner who wanted to try it out would be starting with that. I would say tying them to the bed, blindfolding them. And then having them call me something different or, you know, me not being me, but being someone other than me and me being in control. Uh, and I imagine same thing, would, you know, would work if the roles were reversed. Mm -hmm. If my partner was open to it and they were comfortable trying it, I would be comfortable pegging them which is basically using a strap on and having them penetrate it. Okay. And there are definitely, you know, videos on that and how to do it where it's, you know, fun for everybody. Yeah, I would I would basically start with just communication and saying, what do you fantasize about? What do you want to try? And then just trying it a little bit at a time. So give us some ideas for some sensation play. Maybe, you know, talk to us about that. Some hot wax, maybe fire play, the electricity. What do you what do you suggest? So uh, I can I can tell you I am not a big fan of that stuff, but 
I definitely have seen people really enjoy uh, devices that produce electric shock and that uh, they get very excited about it. But I believe it would most of that uh, wax or ice. It's just the the fact that someone else is in control and someone else is deriving an element of pleasure from, I guess, your torture. So you can say that you're more of the obey and serve type, right? Definitely. Okay. You said something earlier that was very interesting to me. You build a lot of trust with your with your participants and your submissives. Did you say anything about safe words? Like, do you negotiate safe words with them? <laughs> I usually play a little differently. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how I do it. So okay. I, I don't negotiate safe, safe words. However, I would advise that safe words are negotiated. Um, the reason most of the time I don't is like there are two reasons. So one reason is, when I um, execute discipline, I usually escalate the level of pain slowly, and I ask them to tell me at what point the pain is at their limit. And I usually basically then execute the rest of the punishment at that level of pain. The other reason I don't have safe words is that in other cases, they're gagged, so they can't they can't tell me the safe words because they can't speak. Okay. So... so so yeah, in, in, in all of those cases, I just know their threshold of pain, if you will. Okay. And I know, I know when to stop. But again, it's because I do develop a relationship with them where, you know, I understand them and I understand what's going on. I would advise for sure for couples that are just getting into it to have safe words and mainly to never, ever feel bad to execute the safe word. Absolutely. And there's some things that I talk about with my clients are, are the lights, the traffic lights, you know, what is your, what is good? Green is good. What is yellow is something that you're going to be okay with, but it might hurt a little. And then we have the absolute, the reds, the absolute no goes. And so being able to facilitate mm -hmm. that conversation with our partners, I feel like is very important when you're talking about safe words and, and your level of comfort. So you must be colored by babe, because I don't think you know what the color red means. I don't know what the color. Well, yes, I there there are some things that are no goes, but for the most part, like what? I, uh, I uh, yeah, what? I'm, cat, I'm at a loss. Cat of, have your tongue? Cat has my tongue. Cat, okay, right. yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> he's got me turning <laughs> red over here. Yes. Really quickly, I want to talk with you about some stereotypes that you hear about, you know, the BDSM world and maybe some misconceptions. One of them that, that I love, isn't all of this dangerous? There's so many known risks and it's just, this is just too dangerous to, to participate in. When you have people who say that or you hear that, what's your common response? I guess it's something about heat and kitchen, I guess is one thing that's coming to mind, but... You know, so technically, if there's communication and you are not afraid to communicate your needs and your limits, it's just as dangerous as any kind of a sexual activity, any other activity. That That's my perspective. I, I equate it to extreme sports. As with anybody who's doing extreme sports, the BDSM world is an extreme sport. So... It's not something that you can just jump right into. I'm not going to be a professional snowboarder by any means, but if I work up to it, I might be able to stand up on a snowboard one day, just like I'm not going to go to a dungeon and be put on one of those weird cross-looking things and be flogged. It's okay, babe. You are a professional skydiver that's about to be licensed, so... We don't really care about those snowboarders. Sorry, guys. You're boring. Extreme sports. Skydiver. Wow. <clears throat> well, very daring. You know, I shouldn't That's say very, very brave. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, really I shouldn't not say professional. professional skydiver. That was the wrong term, but licensed skydiver. I am very is novice. The correct term. Very, very That's novice. That's huge. What? Don't don't minimize that. That's a, that's a big deal. I, I'm I'm gonna say that I ride bikes and that's kind of dangerous. I guess some people are afraid uh, of that, but I'm like, well, you live only once. You need to have excitement. Exactly, exactly. The other common misconception that I run into all the time is that submissives are just weak and they're doormats and they usually have some sort of abuse in their past and that's why they're submissive. What is your take on that? Well, I would say that very frequently men that are submissive with me are actually very alpha in their not private life. Uh, so public life, they're, 
you know, fairly dominant masculine men. And, you know, they have authority and, you know, a lot of them look like, you know, I don't know, very handsome, very uh, sporty gentlemen. Some of them ride motorcycles and you would never know that they want me to tell them to dress up as a maid and be humiliated. The point is, yeah, it's a misconception. I think all of us have a dark side. And I think it's only called a dark dark side because, you know, people from childhood have been told you have to be this gender role and this is how your gender behaves. But that's not correct. And, you know, I think a very, you know, powerful man can have a desire to be very submissive and enjoy it because he's being told what to do and directed by a powerful woman that he respects and adores. I I can see that. You know, you also, you just keyed in on something for me. So you said gender role. So I think another common stereotype is that, well, most dominant or masters are men. I would say that the percentage, right, between our male and female genders is almost pretty much equal. What, what What's your I, take I, on that? Yeah, lately, I, I would say, yeah, I agree with you. I think women are pretty powerful and, you know, women have, uh, yeah, I think we're getting over those stereotypes. I I would tell you that in most clubs, if I attend kind of BDSM type of event, it's a pretty even mix. Yeah, it's a pretty even mix, I would say. Uh, I think I usually don't even notice other dominants, really, because, I don't know, I don't really have an interest in them. But, yeah, no, it's a pretty even mix. Well, and I know for for me, when I, when I say that I have a submissive personality, I have... In general, I'm a I'm in charge of a lot of aspects of my life. Being in yeah. charge in the bedroom is not one of them that I want to take on. I don't care. That's just a place where I just want him to just tell me what to do. And I don't have to be in that headspace and I don't have to be in control as I am in everyday life. So it's just, I think that's a big misconception for people. And I'm not a weak person, a very strong person, but just I don't care. And I have more fun when someone else is in control. Yeah, that's all kind of like saying, you know what, I, you know, I'm, I'm professional, I'm busy enough. And why don't I have my driver drive me around? It's very similar to that. It's basically you're saying, with this thing, I'm going to delegate it to him to, you know, kind of drive it. And, and also, I think there's some element, you know, come on, we still grew up in a fairly, um, Puritan society, I guess, where being very sexual maybe was kind of naughty. And uh, it's nice to be told to be sexual and naughty by someone because then it's kind of that that control is taken away from you as if, but really you're completely in control in terms of what you're doing. So yeah, that's that's a really lovely psychological twist. I think so as well. So I like that lovely psychological twist. One of my just... New favorite terms I'm going to use all the time. So as we're wrapping up, is there anything that you want just to help me normalize BDSM and kink? Is there anything that you want us to finish up with? What do you want to tell the world? What do you want the world to know about what you do and all about the normalization of BDSM? I I would say just, I mean, honestly, it's really just about saying, hey, we seem to enjoy the same thing, you know, only we're doing kind of a different role in this activity. Let's just do it. We're two consenting adults and we're doing something we both enjoy. Absolutely. I, I don't know that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think because I, I grew up in a, in a different country, uh, I think there wasn't that much of a stigma around BDSM or just any kind of unusual sex. So, you know, I don't know, but I feel like if you're happy and whatever you're doing makes you feel good and your sex life is improved, why not do it if you're not hurting anyone and like you're enjoying yourself, right? Absolutely. Well, I really want to just thank you so much for taking some time to speak to us and just give us more insight into your world and what you do and how you do it, giving us a little bit of a introduction into the dominant world. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed meeting both of you and speaking to both of you. Yeah, no, we really appreciate it, Mistress. Can I call you that? Is that okay? Yeah, I prefer it. I don't know that I'm going to clean your motorcycle or allow you to make me dress up as a maid or anything like that. But uh... He's much too dominant for that. <laughs> you never know. You never know. You may want to tap into that. 
I am just kidding. I would never make you do anything you don't want to do. That's fair. That's fair. I appreciate that. Again, thank you for taking the time. We definitely hope to maybe talk to you again soon. That would be great. So I'm excited, Fox, that we have a caller that's called in to our hotline. Oh. You want to uh, give that number out if we have any future callers? Absolutely. So that number is 512-270-0048. And if you ever forget that number, you can just go to the website, kikicoach.com. That is coach with a K. Absolutely. So let's welcome on the line, we have Kay. Hi, Kay. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for calling. And so you're calling... Wait, wait. Why is it only Stephanie? Oh. Why did you only get the high? I mean, I am the kinky coach. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Fox. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and now, um, he, he likes to be the center of attention. That is not true at all. Oh, so. Lies. You, you live in a world of lies. You sit on a throne of lies. Okay, back to Kay. So we thank you for calling in. And you were calling because you wanted to share with us a really great story about an experience you've had as a submissive. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your experience. And I believe you were telling me that it helped you overcome some fears. Yeah, no, it really did. I've been involved with BDSM for about five years. And when I first started seeking it out, I had just split with my ex-wife and I needed a lot of direction. I felt I needed a lot of direction. And I uh, went online to something that doesn't even exist anymore, the Craigslist ads. I don't know if you remember those from a few years ago. Yeah, I found it way back. But <laughs> Isn't that like where way the cops back. are like, hey, don't do this from yeah. Craigslist? <laughs> don't they say? Like... I was a, um, a Craigslist creeper. Oh. Um, I Yeah, I'm, I'm a creep like that. And after a few very odd dominants, I found a dominant that worked for me. Honestly, it was very different than I expected when I first entered into it. At first, honestly, I was just like, I want to have really freaky sex and like whips and chains and and all that. But what surprised me is it was so, it was so emotional and it was so much more emotional than it was sexual, actually. And uh, that's what I was telling you is about the fear facing. Oh yeah. Tell Um, us more about that. We spent a lot of time getting to know each other and she asked me, you know, what my fears were, what my desires were, everything about my life. I've never gotten to know someone so intensely, so quickly. And I liked it. It was, it was very much like, it was almost like a um, sub-interview. And um, as we kind of progressed through our training, we did a lot of fear-facing. And nothing I asked for. I just feel like when you're with a really good dominant, they know what you need. Okay. Uh, like, I was I was scared of the dark, petrified of it. My dominant had me walk through the house, you know, in the complete darkness over and over until I was comfortable with it. You know, I had a, a fear of water on my face, and we did bondage with, like, water torture to help me get over that. So when you so say water torture... I wasn't really expecting, and I think a lot of people just have this idea that, like, BDSM is just about, like, fucking. Yeah. And it's so much more than that. Can you tell me a little bit more about the water torture? Because that, to me, sounds terrible. (laughs) You know what you would think? You would think. It's actually pretty nice. Um, I mean, there's different levels, I would say. Okay. Well, just tell me about your experience. My experience was being put in the kneeling position, you know, hands tied, blindfolded, with water being poured in my face. Okay. And don't they call that waterboarding? I was thinking, like, isn't that a military technique? <laughs> I mean, and you found this pleasurable. I wasn't, like, gagging on, <laughs> I wasn't gagging on the water. So I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, in a form, sure. Were you gagging on anything? Oh, uh oh. <laughs> uh, actually, oh my God. That's probably my worst experience. Like, I, I hate gagging. And, like, my worst experience is probably, like, being forced to, like, take a really big strap on in deep throat and, like, literally throwing up. (laughs) That was my worst experience. You and Stephanie have something in common. (laughs) (laughs) What? said you and Stephanie have something in common. (laughs) As I give him the mean eyes. I I just, I gag so easy. Like, I cannot. Like, I can't even 
someone shoves their hand in my mouth, I will gag, like, anything. More than halfway in my mouth, I will gag. That's why I'm a lesbian, you know? Like, <laughs> I was not made for that. You know what? That's fair. That I is like, fair. That's I'll, fair. I'll, I'll, like I'll that. give that to you. Okay. <laughs> so... I'm glad you told us that. So you said you identify as a lesbian. Wait, wait, wait! You are not allowed to go lesbian on me just I'm... because you don't know. <laughs> just because I can't. I'm take just things putting it out there right now. Yeah. Can I be bisexual? No, you are bisexual. What do you mean? Can you? Well, be? I mean, I just. <clears throat> you said I can't be lesbian. I just wasn't sure where my boundaries. I, I just were. need to secure where I'm at in our relationship and just make sure that you don't jump sides on me here. I'm not leaving you. <laughs> I'm good with you being both. If you leave me, then I might be a little sad. So. Tell well, me. It's like you're the best of both worlds, basically. I, so She I, really like, is, because like when I get lazy and I don't want to flirt or go pick up a chick, she'll do it for <laughs> me, and it's great. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. I literally could sit back and just try and act pretty and cool. Like, oh, pretty, yeah, huh? I, I look pretty. Look at me. Oh, <laughs> and I don't Lord. have to do anything. It's great. So I mean, I would say I'm like maybe I'm like 80% gay. 80% like, I think that there's different there's different levels. Like, I identify as a lesbian, sure, but there's a little part of me that has a little dick fantasy, sure. I mean... I think everybody does. I think everybody does, too. Do you have dick fantasy? Yeah. Well, I, Fox? I have a dick. I don't know. I, I don't know what a dick fantasy would be. What, like, like I mean, explain that to us. What do you mean? Do you ever think about dicks? I mean, that... <laughs> I think about my penis and what it can do to women or what I should be doing with it or not be doing with it but want to do anyway. But you don't think about, like, a man, like, fucking Stephanie. Oh, like a- oh absolutely. That's that's part of why we're in the lifestyle together because I, I absolutely love watching her. But for me, that's not really doesn't have anything to do with a man's penis. He's a tool to satisfy her. For me, it's about her satisfaction, watching her get off. Okay. It's, it's very entertaining and sexual for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a tool. I like yeah, that. Yeah, he's just a tool to me. Like, he, he is a faceless tool, and I get to be outside looking in. Okay. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are good. I feel like I'm probably more, like, into more of, like, a cockled situation. I think that's that how you say that. Yeah. Why do you feel like Where that? Where a man's involved, but they can't do, like, shit about anything. And I'm in complete control. So that would make you a little bit of a dominant, wouldn't it? It would. At least oh, in yeah. that situation. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> mean, I definitely thought I'm a submissive naturally, sure. But after being involved with my dom for a few years, I realized I am so dominant. Very much so. And with men and women. So now I would say I identify more as a switch because I have a very aggressive side. Pretty much like any submissive personality or anyone that just even seems a little submissive. I'll be dominant. So I have you like ever have you ever been dominant with your dominant? That's a good question. You know what? I love to like talk from the bottom. Okay. Um, if anything, that really pissed my dominant off. Um, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us See, about I'm that. Like trying to have control while giving control. <laughs> yes, I have been. I guess, like, with with my dominant, like, she was so dominant that it does not matter how dominant I got, she would still be more dominant than me. So it was like a Which dominant Which is exactly off? what I needed. Um, a but off? in past yeah. relationships, I've been with women that were typically the aggressor. Yeah, I definitely dominated them. And if anything, that's a huge turn on. Like, being able to dominate someone that's really dominant already is, like, the best. I might have to try that. Good like luck. A challenge. <laughs> Good <laughs> luck. Like, can I break challenge. you? <laughs> challenge accepted. So, <laughs> right. We just talked to a dominatrix about an hour ago, and that she said a lot of interesting things. I want to ask your opinion on some of it, since you're calling in from okay. you know the submissive point of view. Do you have any like negotiations with your with your dominant? Did you have any like that there was no ghosts? Were there any things that was absolutely not happening? Oh, absolutely. I think that's a really important conversation to have whenever you're forming any sort of like BDSM relationship. Like you need to talk about your limitations. You need to have those like hard limits, those soft limits. And you need to talk about your interests as well. For me, that happened almost immediately in my experience and i mean if you're interested for me I'm my definitely interested. hard limits are like anything to do with children which 
you know, no judgment, but there's a, a lot of people that are into that. So that's something that I always throw out right away. Uh, nothing to do with animals, no uh, knife play, like cutting, yeah, that, not into blood. I would think that would be automatic, um, but... Not according to... Uh, I mean, I think I'm Ms. pretty much Salt. game for anything. Yeah, Miss Mistress, <clears throat> Mistress Salt. Mistress Salt. Said that there is some... <clears throat> she, gets a, she gets a little rough. <laughs> she does get a little rough, but she doesn't do... She doesn't do blood either. She, she doesn't she, do blood, she but she definitely said that she knew some people who did do the blood play. Mm-hmm. That just seems like that's an yeah. absolute no for me. That's definitely a no for me. The thing is, is that you may like, I don't know, I guess you just have to like be in a situation with somebody and you might be encouraged to do something that you thought was a hard limit for you. Because I feel like there's some things and maybe they weren't like absolute no's, but there were things I I wasn't really sure I was interested in. Like even anal, honestly. Like, I don't know why, I just hadn't had a lot of experience with it. I was like, not really sure about it. And then I'm like, wow, this is better than anything else. (laughs) So I am I a fan. Also, like when you're with someone, those things can kind of adjust. Absolutely. So I'm interested to hear from you about your aftercare with your dom. So, yeah, I, aftercare is really important. Um, wow, you are knowledgeable. Thank you. <laughs> For we, me, we um, may dabble here and there. We, we may, may dabble. dabble. <laughs> I, I am like very much a little, and I wouldn't say I'm always that way. It just depends on my mood. Okay. Yeah, it is a major part of my personality. So... For those listening, what does a little mean? Um, a little is basically someone that takes on the traits of someone much younger than themselves. Okay. Thank you and for sharing that. I, I'm very much that way. Um, my younger self is, like, pretty young. So, I mean, that's something that, you know, I had to work out with my dom because not everyone's into that. But some people are really into it, you know, like daddy dome. My aftercare was usually like Oreo cookies. Really? <laughs> like I would get an Oreo cookie um, after and like cuddles and yeah, just a lot of silly play or like watching cartoons, something like that. Okay. And a lot of snacks. Was it, was, was your dominant, did she always make sure that aftercare was prevalent? It was important. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say, I would say for me, there's definitely times that there could have been more aftercare because my dom wasn't that like cuddly or emotional in that way. But most of the times, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Well, man, this is just fascinating. Is there anything else that you want the world to know about your experience? And, you know, just what what we're trying to do is to normalize BDSM and uh, non and, you know, consensual non-monogamy and for the world. And is there anything right. that you want to add to it to just help us normalize it? I think that the first misconception, like I said in the beginning, is the fact that it's just like really rough crazy sex all the time. I think that a lot of people are are turned off by that. And the thing is, like, you can set your own limits. You can decide the structure of your relationship. And it doesn't even need to be sexual at all. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing I've heard a lot about submissives, at least, is that, wow, like, submissives must be really weak-minded and they can't make their own decisions. And I think a lot of people, they, they feel like it's really derogatory. And for me... It was really empowering. I feel like the submissive has the most control in the relationship. And it made me feel like a stronger a stronger person. It made me want to be a better person. Yeah, I'm glad you point that out because earlier we were discussing, you know, certain doms that take things out of limits and right. how that's the incorrect way to do it. And it is a very under or should be a very understood thing that as a dom, you are there for your submissive. They set the boundaries, they set the initial rules, They and I like to call it a contract or an agreement. The only reason a dom has their power is because of their submissive. Uh, Without any submissive, there would be no power from a dom in the first place. Um, So I'm I'm really glad you point that out. I think that's a very important thing to understand. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And the thing is, is that a lot of people think they're in a BDSM relationship, but they're actually in an abusive relationship. Yes. There is a huge difference. Not the same thing. 
Absolutely. You know, a dom respects you. And, you know, like you were saying, Fox, doesn't cross those boundaries. Right. Um, if your dom's doing something and you don't feel good after a session, you're not in a healthy relationship. Right. Well, and that's so, you know, if you're in that situation, please speak up because even a dom can make a mistake. And, and that, that can happen. Right. And, and normally no, when that takes place. No, perfect. They have to do everything right. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> I wish it was like that. <laughs> You know, I know in my past relationships and even in Stephanie and I's relationship, mistakes have been made here and there. And when a mistake is made, we step back and we renegotiate and we discuss it thoroughly and communicate and sometimes even take a pause because a mistake was made and to make sure it's not made again, you know. I want to to reiterate, though, if the Dom does not listen and does not take your needs into consideration and step away continues to do and treat you poorly and you don't have that good feeling after a session that is borderline or it could be abuse and that's when you need to reach out to somebody else if you need assistance and to get out of that relationship altogether you're in charge of your mental health you're in charge of your sessions you're in charge of your sexual well-being and that is one of the main things that I want to hit home that if you are not in charge then that is not a good power exchange in your relationship. Absolutely, I agree with that. Well, we thank you, Kay, for calling and for just taking the time to talk to us about your experience. And being honest about yeah, it. Being yeah, being open and honest. Thank you. No, thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, that was that was informative. That was very nice. <laughs> and, and pretty darn interesting. I don't know, honestly, and, and I know you're going to hear this, Mr. Salt, I, I don't personally think I'm going to call you. Uh, <laughs> you. You may have scared me just a little bit. <laughs> Uh, but the information was great, and I, I never, I guess because I am who I am, and I take BDSM more like sexually and personally, uh-huh. of a, you know, using it as a connection and trust and communication, but I never really thought about the more hardcore side to it. Really? No, I really, no, because I, I'm just not a fan of that. Like, it yeah. doesn't sound interesting to me. It doesn't, it doesn't intrigue me, yeah. you know. Um, I don't find myself ever having that urge or need to want to go down that uh, avenue. Okay. That's interesting. I know about it due to my studies. You being a freak? Well, I mean, no, (laughs) that too. But, I mean, just being able to study it, and I try to learn everything I can for my clients. And so it makes me really research anywhere from local dungeons to what happens at the local dungeons. And So, wait, wait, was it like... You looked this online, or you went down in person research. I have looked like at clinical it online. Research? I have oh. not done hands-on <laughs> clinical research, but I'm not opposed mm-hmm. to hands-on mm-hmm. clinical research. You're not opposed to anything hands-on. That's true. Yeah, but yeah. So I thought <laughs> I did get to learn a lot from our caller and Mr. Salt today that I didn't know, and so it's it's been interesting. Can we call her Kinky K instead of just K? Oh, I like that Kinky. Kinda, our caller kind of like. Kinky coach, but yeah. just kinky K. So our caller is kinky K? Yeah. Oh, I think she would yeah, like that. Yeah. I think she would like that. Absolutely. I hope she likes it. Yeah. So, and I guess that this this show today really just shows you the, the drastic differences. So when someone says BDSM to me, I do. I guess I'm the normal, boring, common folk, right? That I think, yeah, I have a kinky sex life. We do a little, uh, you know, master role play we use chains, we use butt plugs, we we do some other stuff that's a little bit more aggressive risque. or risque. Yeah. But but I don't really even think it's risque. I just think it's fun. But it's 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 much more sexual. And then you know, we do get into a little choking or passing you out, and that takes a lot of trust and communication. And we've had to do extensive talking, right, about that kind of stuff. And that's what I use it for. That's when I hear BDSM, that's that's what where my brain goes. So it's very interesting to to hear the extremely more aggressive side, right, from yes. from Miss Salt, and then the other side from from Miss K. You know, the Kinky more K. Like, yeah, it, and it was very interesting to her. Like it helped her become more connected with herself and become a stronger person. Well, I do want to emphasize that there are there are extreme differences between BDSM and kink. We're kind of we'll get into that in later episodes, but. What we're talking about today is the bondage, masochist, all that fun stuff. All that fun stuff? Yeah. Did you forget the whole time? Yeah, I did. I just completely <laughs> forgot it. B, D, uh, yeah. 
for completely forgot bondage it. dominant and sadomasochism yeah that's oh, okay. yeah well i was going with it but <laughs> and you know. usually that's me that i does know that. you just called me we out. are totally role reverse today yeah, absolutely <laughs> absolutely well i think this was a fun show it was educational and i'm looking forward to uh, our kink show i'm looking forward to you next week or the week after getting your license for skydiving yes i will be getting my license yes so for the those of you that don't know we are avid skydivers absolutely Um, stephanie had a little bit of a rough go in the beginning she stepped off of a patio and broke her ankle okay we were at here's the (laughs) let's just throw it out there i'll go really quick full story we went to the drop zone my first jump, great. We happened to bring our 200-pound English Mastiff out there with us that day. Mm-hmm. I was going to go walk the Mastiff. I step off of the patio. His name's Titan. You can use his name. I was going <laughs> to walk Titan. Step off of the patio at the drop zone and snap my ligament in my ankle. Tried to play it off. I tried to play it off like I was just going to sit down on the floor, on the ground and pet the dog. But, of course, Fox knows me best, and he was like, that hurt, didn't it? And I was like, no, we're good. Well, 16 weeks later, and surgery, surgery. surgery mm-hmm. I have a pig ligament in my foot because... Um, oink, oink. Yes, I love bacon. Yeah, I have, a, have an artificial ligament because mine was so damaged. And now I'm back into the skydiving. So you my think injury... if I heated up your ankle with fire... Would it smell like it bacon? It would smell like bacon? Well, you remember when it first got done, Titan kept sniffing it. it. He kept I licking wonder. it and sniffing mm. it. It was, obviously, you know, bacon. Well, there you go. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm way behind Fox. Fox, we started around the same time, but he has excelled greatly because he did not have 16 weeks. I wouldn't say I have excelled. Excelled gives people the impression like I'm very skillful. I, I have like 60 something jumps and that's it. Well, that's much more and, than my 14. And I have my A license. I'm about to get my B license, I think, tomorrow or the next day. Probably the next day. Yeah, so I'm um, still working on A. But you'll get there. I will you'll get there. Get there. And, and all that matters is you still jump. And that's I all I care about. Yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah. It's the best thing that we've done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, well, it's, it's the best thing we've done. Uh, it gets pretty darn close. It's fun. It's pretty damn close. Yeah. We've, yeah, we've built a family out there. So yeah, we I, have. Yeah, it's good. Well, as we end and wrap up tonight, as always, if um, we have any couples out there who want to reach out to me and maybe our services for our sex coaching or any other questions that they have they may want to ask us definitely reach out to our, on our websites we have um, a portal or a place on there whatever it's called where you can ask us questions yep uh, just go to kinkycoach.com and that's coach with a k kinky coach mm-hmm. yep all right we are gonna get the heck on out of here because uh we're gonna go i have our own little bdsm moment oh we're gonna have some fun tonight <laughs> you guys have a good night good night <laughs>